Hello there, and thanks for joining me on the podcast today. We're at the end of the President's Weekend. This is a uh, special weekend in the year in which we pause and give credit and reflect upon the uh, foundations of our country by reflecting on several of the early presidents, Abraham Lincoln being one of them. So today what I'd like to do is to reflect on Abraham Lincoln. I grew up in Illinois. Abraham Lincoln is from Illinois. He served the people of Illinois. I was in his home, which is now a national museum. I was in his law office, which is also a national museum. I walked the streets where he walked, between his home and his office. I stood in his yard. I stood under the big oak trees in his yard. I reflected on the man. I reflected on some of the contributions of the man. And every once in a while, it's important for us. And that's why we have the President's Weekend. It's important for us to just reflect upon some of the men who have brought us to a place in our country that we are today. We are a great nation, under God, indivisible, and we have liberty for all. Abraham Lincoln was known for many things. Self-taught, he was a homeschooler, if you will. He read ferociously. He studied the law. He served people by being a lawyer. But he served all of us as being our president, most notably for bringing together a people who said no to slavery, bringing together people who worked to end slavery as we knew it in that day. There are many people waiting, dating back way before him that were committed to ending slavery. In the early 1700s, there was a movement to end slavery, and it all came about through the efforts of Abraham Lincoln. And one of the reasons why we had the Civil War, and one of the things that came out of the Civil War is one of the benefits of the Civil War, if you can say so. Abraham Lincoln was known, as I said, for many things. But here's what I would like to just reflect on today. He's known as the Ten Cannots. Cannots. K-A-N-N-O-T-S. The Ten Cannots by Abraham Lincoln. Maybe you don't know what they are. Maybe you never heard them before, but he's famous for them. I won't go through all ten of them, but I'll give you a kind of a summary of his ten cannots. Okay? Here they are. You cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. He knew that there was a relationship between being thrifty as an individual and being prosperous as a country. Individuals were thrifty. Individuals experienced and lived by a motto and an uh, orientation of being thrifty. And as a result of that, the country benefited in a country that became prosperous. So, you cannot bring about prosperity by discouraging thrift. Now, you cannot help small men by tearing down big men. You know, whether it's big in stature or big in reputation, or big in the ability to run a company, develop a company, run a company, or whatever it might be. You can't help the small people in our society, in our country, in our, country, in our communities, if we tear down big men. We hear a lot of that. Wall Street, the big men of Wall Street, tear them down. Somehow get rid of them. Many of the Wall Street companies, many of the uh, financial companies of our country today. There's efforts to tear them down, but that won't help the small people, the unemployed, the underemployed, 
the poorly employed, you see? Here's number three. You cannot strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. In other words, we need strong people in our society. We need strong people who are strong financially, strong in mental health, strong in physical health, strong in ideas, strong in creativity, because they help everyone. The strong help everyone, including the weak. But you can't strengthen the weak by weakening the strong. Here's another one. You cannot help the poor man by destroying the rich. Well, we hear a lot of that today, don't we? Take the rich people and tax them. Identify the rich people and tax them. Tax them. Tax them. Tax them out of their life. In other words, destroy them by taxing them. But that won't help the poor man. He'll take money from the rich man. But that money will not go to the poor man. The only way rich men can help the poor man is by being rich, by being strong and by having companies and by employing people and then the poor become better. So, Mr. Lincoln says you cannot help the poor man by destroying the rich. Here's another one. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. In other words, you've got to live by your income. It's the income on which you make decisions. It's your income that determines what you do and what you don't do, what you wait for, what you save for, what you... Just wait until it's possible to have it or to buy it or to enjoy it or to participate in it or whatever. You cannot keep out of trouble by spending more than your income. In other words, if you do that, you're going to be in trouble. Here's another one. You cannot establish security on borrowed money. Borrowed money gives you greater insecurity, unsureness, because you go through life owing people owing banks, owing other people money. And that doesn't give you a good sense of security. Because if you ever make money, you ever save money, you really have to pay off your debts. So it belongs to somebody else. Here's another one. You cannot build character and courage by taking away man's initiative and independence. You see? We require initiative independence to become a strong person, so that when trouble comes our way, difficulties come our way, trauma comes our way, stress comes our way, we're able to handle it. We have to have the ability to take the initiative to solve a problem and have the independence, the independence to proceed with carrying out a solution to a problem. So he says you cannot build character and courage by taking away man's initiative and independence. And here's here's the last one he says, you cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. That's a powerful one. Here's, let me read it again. You cannot help men permanently by doing for them what they could and should do for themselves. The old story is you can give a man a sandwich and that only lasts a short time till the next meal. But if you teach a man how to fish, he'll eat forever. So teach him skills. Teach him the ability to acquire money, to acquire more skill, to acquire independence, to acquire stability. And if you teach a man to do something that he could and should do for himself, that man will become a prosperous and a successful man. So Abraham Lincoln had a lot of wisdom. He put these down in his ten cannots. I just read eight of them. But they're important to note. 
to get the feel for that, to get the idea for that, to get the essence of that. Because what he's trying to say to us is strength comes, but it comes with a price. Strength is ours, but we have to learn it, and we have to earn it, and we have to protect it. We have to take care of it. Independence and prosperity, you know, comes to all of us a hard work. You see, we are in a class of people who are indeed fortunate. We have opportunity. We have equal opportunity. Some of us take advantage of that opportunity. Some don't. And if you don't, you suffer a price from that. Advancement is not yours. Achievement and success often is not yours. Living at a lower level of life and lower level of income is the future. It's those that take advantage of the abilities, the skills, and the opportunities that are before them. So it's not a matter of opportunity. It's a matter of taking advantage of opportunity. Not a matter of having a positive potential. It's a matter of taking that potential and implementing it and building on it and creating a life based on it. So, Mr. Lincoln, thanks for your thoughts. Thanks for your guidance. And thanks for your wisdom and thanks for your leadership. And thanks for your service and thanks for your sacrifice for you and your family. You did as well. And we have used you as an example and followed you as an example over the years. Begs the question. Great presidents have often been liked. They've often been well thought of. They've often been appreciated. They've often been on the positive side of history. Here's the question it begs. Can a great president be unliked? Or can an unliked president be a great president? Can somebody who is not particularly appreciated, not particularly liked by many, many people, can that president still be a great president? Well, that's worth pondering. Thanks for being with us today, and um, this has been the Psychology Report, and bye for now.